Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. What I have for you here is the audio from a video I've just recorded with Harry B analysing the Southampton game. Now, there are parts of this that are going to be a little weird and confusing without the visual element, but I wanted to get something out there for you uh, because it's going to be hard for me, Wendy and Buddy, to organise um, an episode. We're going to try, <laughs> but in case we can't, uh, here's this. Uh, and I do think that it is going to work pretty well in podcast form. Hello, Harry. How's it going? I'm very well, thank you, mate. How are you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's been some positive news in my life recently. <laughs> um, so you, I saw you tweeted. Um, I'm going to speed this up a little bit, by the way, as we're talking. I saw that you tweeted uh, that you hadn't seen the game, and you're asking uh, what other people thought of it. Have you seen it since, or is this your first viewing? No, I've seen it since. Um, okay. I've seen the. Um, yep, yeah, I saw. I saw I saw most of the first half actually. To be fair, when I tweeted that, um, which wasn't ideal, uh, wasn't okay. great rather. Um, but I've seen all of the second half since then. Um, so yes, I would like to think I'm fully catched up, pretty much. Okay, or I'm fully right. caught up rather. <laughs> I thought I thought you might be in for for a bit of a surprise viewing, but okay. So um, so obviously yeah. Um, as we know, the the first half uh, was a little quieter than the second. But I definitely thought the 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 um. The talk going around at the time was that it's just more of the same, more of what we were seeing under Mourinho. But I definitely thought mm. that although we were failing, uh, we were trying to um, to possess the ball a bit more, to move the ball a little slower when we had it, to um, to press the opposition higher. Is that what you saw? Is that what you think we're going to see here? I mean, I thought the, the first 20 or so minutes were a complete disaster, to be okay. honest. Um, I didn't think they could sort of... I just thought Southampton just had had us numbered. It looked like a team... Southampton looked like a team that knew what they were doing and Spurs looked like a team that were kind of like, where do we go from here now? Um, but to be fair, you did see the odd idea, the odd idea. And then in the second half, I thought it was fantastic. Um, how much of that is down to Southampton losing energy? Um, but at the end of the day, Spurs have still got to go out and do it. Um, so I thought the second half in particular was fantastic. Really, really good. Um, and you could see clear ideas that had been worked on um, or that at least Ryan Mason, I'm sure, was looking for. So, yeah, no, the second half was um, was a, not a surprise, but a nice a nice welcome. So I definitely felt um, in the first half, Spurs just looked a, a hell of a lot slower than Southampton. Really looked like they yeah. were lacking for, for the kind of fitness that we wanted to play, the kind of football that, that Mason was asking of us. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, Mason was literally appointed the day before and, you know, there's no time to work on tangible things. So you just got to work on try and do basic ideas and try and get some kind of rhythm and feel back, feel good factor back into it and some basic pointers that, you know, that the, the lads could, doesn't need too much work and, and see where it goes. Um, and to be fair, like I said, in the second half in particular, that certainly happened. Harry's back, everyone. We had a bit of a tech issue. Um, so we were just watching this bit, and I think that this was a pretty telling part of the first half, which is that Spurs possessed the ball at the back, tried to move it slowly. Southampton, uh, wait for the pass into midfield, pounce and press us yep. and, and, and win it back. Is that the way you saw it? Yeah, pretty much. It looked like they were trying to figure out how to sort of do what Mason wanted without it being worked on. It's probably the best way. Yeah. Um, but every now and again, it did kind of work. And you can see the ideas were trying to there. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, you know, there's, he's had no time on the training pitch. Um, so the first half wasn't ideal. But you saw now and again, there were there were ideas. There were ideas. Um, a lot of the U-shaped football, which I don't really like. Um, sure trying to find a way through the middle um, that wasn't ever really there. I thought that quite often um, 
the back four was a bit too flat. Um, I thought, you know, when they're trying to build up. So, you know, generally speaking, ideally you want to build up with three. And I thought too often, um, Aurier and Reguillon were quite pinned back. They were, um, yeah. Yeah, which I think they struggled to then progress the ball through it that way then. Um, in the second half, Reguillon was much higher, um, which gave more options further up the pitch, meant the more players could come infield. So ball progression was easier. Um, so I think there was a slight adjustment at half time. That was probably the main one that Reguillon went higher up, I thought. Um, okay. And I thought that in at moments in the first half, you saw how aggressive they were trying to suppress, but it wasn't a consistent theme. Yeah, I think it was one of those where you could see that there were try there were ideas that Mason had tried to spoke speak about, but just lack of time to tangibly work on it. But I think Southampton had the far better of the first half. Um, I don't think anybody or many people would deny that. Um, but yeah, the second half I thought was um, was excellent, really excellent. The the whole situation is is very much is is sort of like. Um... The, the way that like video games make people think about tactics and football it's why doesn't the manager switch to playing this way why doesn't the coach just yeah. have them play this way and, and that's kind of what Mason is trying to do here obviously because with so little training time he's saying switch to playing yeah. slower in the ball switch to pressing higher and you can see the difficulties in, in trying to just suddenly change up to a different style like that you can also see that it's not completely impossible and you can see a result from playing that way yeah, of course, a hundred percent. And bearing in mind, they are they are also missing. You know, they're I suppose the main player, the one that makes it stick up front, and the one that you can yeah. pin the ball into, and it will stick. Um, you know, the the, for, the ball was going anytime the ball went to the forward line in the first half, it never really stuck because Lacelso was a bit off the pace. Um, Bale can make it stick. Um, Lucas Moura isn't someone that makes it stick. Um, Sonny doesn't really make it stick, and Reguilón was deep, so they just they, you can see they were trying to find ways to find gaps through it, but they just couldn't find those gaps and. Um, there wasn't a ton of movement in the first half. Um, but as you said, it's just ideas. You can see the ideas were trying to come, but they just hadn't had the time to work on them. So Bale spoke after the game um, about about the slowness of possession. I think that was really um, the the big change here. Um, and it, it was present in both halves and obviously more successful in the second. He said they played even slower in the second. And I think that that's really interesting. Yeah. I think a lot of the time football fans, they talk about they want to see their team pass forward as soon as possible. They want to see them play fast and aggressive and attacking football. And I think that yeah. that is what we were trying to do a lot of the time under Mourinho. Um, and you can see sort of why maybe teams don't do that so often, because so often we would attempt to counter the first opportunity, attempt to play super, super fast, and our attacks would be snuffed out, and then we'd be forced back to our defensive situation song. Whereas you can see the benefits here of, yes, yeah, some sideways and backwards passing, which can be frustrating, especially if it goes on for too long. But um, allowing Spurs to sort of get a foot into the game um, and, and wait for their opportunities instead of trying to force every every ball. Well, I said it the other day, I threw it on Twitter, that um, for me, that there was a big misconception about what Jose Spurs were tactically. Um, I don't think it was ever defensive. I don't think um, there was ever an issue with the attack. The issue was what they would do when there wasn't an immediate attack. So, you know, Spurs took the lead in a lot of games this year. They scored quite, they scored, they had a lot of games where they scored a lot of goals um, because their, that way of attack will come up with moments in a game where good players will find those gaps. That kind of idea of creative freedom with a broad structure. The problem was when it didn't go into an immediate attack, there wasn't really a structured base to fall back on in terms of just keeping the ball or in terms of keeping the opposition out. And that can't happen um, because obviously then the, the opposition get encouraged because, you know, they get the ball more, there's more turnovers and they force you back and deeper. And even though they don't mean to be deeper, they can't help it because there's no broad structure in possession to fall back on. Whereas with this, you saw 
that, as you just said, there was more of a structure in how they tried to move the ball um, and how to pick their moments when to inject the speed into an attack rather than trying to attack um, immediately all the time. So I've picked a, a random uh, string of possession from deep uh, from the first yep. half. Hopefully there's something interesting here. <laughs> I haven't just picked a bogus one, but you can see uh, what you talked about with uh, our fullbacks uh, yep. starting in, in deep and wide positions here. Uh, Regulon yeah. Noria, and then you can see so that's making up your back four and you've got your midfield too and what you get from Southampton which is what you often get from them is them sort of matching that with their yeah. um, their hexagon shape here that was the yeah. other midfielders just off the screen and so in each situation you have a man to a man um, or you sort of have well you have the um, the cover yeah, shape yeah. situation here don't you um, man to a fullback and then you so the the two forwards are simultaneously uh able to but not immediately close down the center back in front of them whilst blocking off i need one more color here whilst blocking off mm -hmm. uh the path the pass to the near side central midfielder not quite getting there at the, right this second but the player's not on the ball um sure this is messy so let's see how this particular possession progresses i've no idea what happens in this one so we've got a pass between the centre backs. <laughs> okay, and Toby just goes long. <laughs> uh, yeah, but kind of forced it because of the structure we spoke about. Yeah, let's see if we can pick out another one and in a second. And they're just trying to find second balls or trying to pick up second balls. All right, so the play resets here. We're going to oh no, we're going to open with the space. So I mean, I guess it's the benefit of sort of attempting that ball and and, and getting the game a little open that is less settled there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, there's always the there's always the benefits of going longer. You can't always be building out from the back in terms of staggered possession or or patient build up. Sometimes you just need to go and vary it up and cause a bit of chaos. I see some nice movement there, a combination from the uh, Celsius and Dombele. Uh, but we, I think Bale's kind of forcing the cross a little there. It's not a, a, yeah. a promising opportunity, is it? No. I did like Dyer's performance in this game from what I saw. I thought okay. he was excellent. Interesting. Uh, I mean, he, you know, neither of the centre-backs, you know, missed a, a cross in their own box or... But this is better. So if, we, if we go back to what that was, so back here. you see how the, the position was higher. There was a bit of a, a, a diamond out, out wide where Dyer was kind of involved. Okay, we'll have that Now, you see the team are higher up the pitch, um, which is good. You've got Ori that's backing up Bale. So this just wasn't ideal, but, you know, again, the second ball. So around this point now, you've got kind of Dyer acting as a left-back here. Yeah. But now you've got... Um, Reguilon that's higher up and you've got one, two, three, four players ahead of Dyer, ahead of the ball in the central zone. You've got Hoybier next to him. So there's a broad structure now where to build from and where to pass into. Um, and it means that, you know, the ball's already up the pitch, it's higher up the pitch and it's easier to retain possession here um, in, the, in the danger areas rather than before where you had the flat back four and less players further forward. And again, those players at the back four, if they would get it, they'd kind of almost be pinched back. They'd kind of be, you know... Um, so they found it harder to progress the ball into those areas. Now, Reguilon's higher, Bale's higher. So you can just see kind of the ideas and it's easier to keep the ball here. So even though there's a second ball, it's come back to Spurs because they have players around the ball, players high up in that position, and then they can go again. And a broader structure, Hoybier filling in. So if I can't, we can't see it right now, but it's probably a back three, back there in build-up, which is ideal for a lot of teams and a lot of players to build up in a back three. Um, because the reason why you want to build up in a back three a lot of the time is you still cover the width of the pitch. So you have the person kind of out wide right. In Aurea, you have um, centre-backs there, all around, and Hoybier filling in. And then it means you can have further, more players further forward. So here's your back three again with Hoybier dropping in. Things, it, it, so it's, what you mentioned earlier is that um, the full-back's quite deep. So you have... Yeah. Let's go back. So you've got your back three here, um, which is nice. 
Um, yep. And then on our near side, off the screen behind me, um, we have uh, sort of where Region is is hanging out. But you have yeah. Um, we have Sergiorier sort of hanging out as a deep right back. Do you think that that was yep. a bit of an issue in the, in the first half? Yeah, I think so. Why can't Aurier be 20 yards higher up the pitch there? Up here. Because you've still got three versus two if there's a transition. Mm-hmm. And I think this is probably what Mason was speaking about in terms of being brave and aggressive. Um, and it just means that ball progression would be easier because now you'd have options further forwards across the width of the pitch. You'd have players clogged up in the centre. Clogged up's probably the wrong word. But you still have the width. Um, so I just think that's what Paulie Mason was speaking about um, in terms of that bravery in how you move the ball and how you take up positions um, and where you take up positions. So I don't see why Ore can't be um, further up here, because Hoybier's filled in. We don't need four back here to progress the ball. And look at that, you've got to stop there. So oh. when a bit further back, you've got, there was four players in pretty much a straight line. Now, straight lines aren't ideal in football because it's easy to cut out. So right now, stop there. So those four plays, I mean, it's not a complete straight line, obviously. All the roads sure. a bit deeper, but you've got pretty much four plays there. In a, it's too straight. So you, how can you possibly regress the ball when you're kind of sideways with each other? Too many of them. And even if, if let's say, for example, Dyer had the ball, all things would have to do is stand in between Dyer and Hoybier. And those are three options that are cut out. So generally speaking, you want to look for angles. Um, so I think... Aurier needs to be higher on the pitch here. It opens up that pass. There we go. Okay, let's uh, let's try and speed through the first half a little bit, and uh, we'll see what looks different in the second. But again, I, I do think that you're we're, we're seeing some of those ideas that become more present in the second half here at this stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and again, it's not so clear because we're watching in triple speed. But I just felt that Spurs looked looked um looked slower to a lot of all of the play throughout the most Oh, yeah, they were. They were, they were, they were. But a lot of that is because they didn't know how... I think Chris Coleman said it um, in in COCOMS, and he was right, is that when the Spurs players had the ball in the first half, they were the ones making the decision. Yeah. So they're waiting for things to happen ahead of them, whereas you don't want that to be the case. You want things to be happening ahead of them in terms of off-the-ball movement and and positioning um, to when the pass is obvious or the pass is on, rather than Regan getting the ball and going, right, what now then? Um, you know, Aurier, get the ball there. What now then? And he's just swinging it down the line because there's no tangible way to move the ball forward. So some decent, some some contesting from the ball, starting with a high-ish press and then and then mm. contesting the ball in midfield there. It's nice to see. That's and then, a bit better. Move and, then, and this is an example of where there is an occasion to attack fast. There is an opportunity to do that and, and taking that there. So it's yeah. not a complete absence of, of playing fast when the time is right. No, no, you still need to inject speed into possession. It can't always be slow and staggered. You have to inject speed into possession. Um, and Southampton nearly worked through us there. Yeah. And then get a bit of a breakaway here. And that could have been quite a threatening attack, the cross at the far post there, if it was taken on slightly better. This is where Ings scores, isn't it? Ah, yes, this is the corner, yeah. I mean, there was a major issue one night in the first half with defending set pieces. It was a, it was diabolical in the first half. I, I def- um, obviously, that- you can't put any of that on Mason because there's no time to work on that, but um, yeah. That's definitely true. So, okay, we can we can have a little look at this while we're here. So we've got... Yeah. Um, it's just total man marking, isn't it? One, We've got one zonal in yeah. Lucas here covering the near post and everyone else is man-to-man, 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 man-to-man. Which probably makes sense when it's Mason's first session because there's no time to really work Simple. on it. So the easiest thing to say is just go to man-mark. But when it is man-marking, everyone man-marking, obviously the issue is if a player gets a run on you um, and it's a great delivery, uh, you're in a very bad situation. Whereas ideally, generally speaking, what would happen there, so that zone the ball's gone into, yeah. you would have someone already there that's clearing that ball 
in that zone before it's even got to Ings. That ball's quite a flat ball. It's quite a low ball. Yeah. And it's near the and it's quite near the front post. Generally speaking, someone is there clearing that away. Um, well, Harry Kane has cleared the ball at the near post. You know. Yeah. Yep. twice a game all season for us playing that, that near post zonal role so that's normally I'm, I'm not, not blaming Serge Aurier here I'm not blaming Serge Aurier here it's not his fault he's man marking Ings has got the wrong on him that happens you know that is going to yep. happen um, it's a yard you know, you know. And obviously, yeah and there's no one on either post so you're in a bit of a bad situation probably what you should do is if you are going man to man marking like that there's no time to work on anything at least have a man on either post because okay. There's a good chance the ball will be won by the opposition um, if they get the run on you. Um, so you've got to make sure that if the ball does go into those danger areas that you're covered, um, which obviously they didn't have. It's a great header for Mings. And incredible delivery as always from Ward Prowse. Yeah, of course, yeah. So again, they've dropped into that back four in build-up and it just means there's no... It's, it's fewer options further forward, so it's harder. Possession's more stagnant. It's more stagnated. Um, All right, I think we can uh, skip now to the second half. Let's see what mm-hmm. differences we can find. So maybe we'll just go normal speed from the start. So again, we have we have deep fullbacks. That this time we have Hoybier ahead of the back four. Yep, but again, not enough options further forward, so we lose it. The die goes long, clear it, and obviously, you know, this going to happen in games now and again where the ball doesn't settle down. So Southampton settle it down, bail tracking back. I thought in the second half a big positive as well was they squeezed the pitch better. Spurs, um, they they pressed more as a group. Uh huh. So even when they all dropped back, you saw Bale there. He dropped back as well, and they all worked more collectively. You know, there's a couple of cases when Bell did drop back um, to help out and track his man. So twice in that clip, we saw uh, as soon as Hoybier had the ball, he's playing direct to Lucas, who's who's trying to find some space between some lines there. Yeah, It'd be interesting to see if that is a, a recurring theme because it was definitely uh, lacking in the first half. Mm. Let's see if we can skip forward a tiny bit here. All right, so here we go. Sl- I mean, again, it's similar positioning from the fullback so far. I would say. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Ori on the near side off screen was was high positioned. But we still haven't really had any sustained possession so far. So, you know, there's a reason for that. This is good contest on the second ball there. It doesn't turn yeah, yeah. out. but So they're pressing far better. They're pressing more aggressively. That's unsettling Southampton. It means that, you know, when you've got players around the ball, then at least there's going to be options to, you know, pass and move. Um, so a lot of, I suppose, his good play did come from winning the ball back off of second balls. But look how high up Reguilon is now. Yeah, let's see if we can get the... Uh... So we were speaking about earlier, so where Aurier in this on the opposite side of the pitch was um, just in front of that where the Libertech sign is, where the team may be. Um, now, look how high up the region is. So it means there's options further forward. It means that players can tuck in, Sam can tuck in, Lucas can tuck in more. Well, Lucas, sorry, Lucas already was tucked in, but you know what I mean. Because um, the fullbacks are prized in the width. Um, so yeah, more options to play further forward. Uh, so yeah, because uh, as we talked about before, uh, Southampton are playing a midfield two um, and mm. trying to step forward with those. And if you're outnumbering those in the middle, you're going to have a, a spare man and a, and a pass open. Yeah. So here's using the width and then not going for the immediate cross, but then waiting for different runs ahead of the play. So nice this rotations is a nice there. Combination, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Good rotations. Good one-touch play. It's really good play from Dyer there. Just taking the initiative, being assertive. Spurs aggressively pressing that. So now we're forcing Southampton to, to go long. And now we're to us to pick up the second balls. Is our defensive line higher in the second half when we're off the ball? It looks it. I think it looks like they're squeezing the pitch better, being more aggressively. So anytime Southampton get the ball, there's pressure onto them. And this is a situation where they broke the press. But 
Spurs, you know, they um they want it back. And here again, we're going to see higher positioning. Yeah, it's just more aggressive, more aggressive positioning. The team's higher up the pitch, and now you can have sustained possession higher up the pitch in the danger areas. You can progress the ball easier. Nice and you've got so, players that are taking it, their turn into sort of like drop. So Lucas dropped in that time. Doesn't matter as long as there's players ahead of Lucas that fill in. So um, Mason's coming to this from a um, from a, a a bit of youth coaching experience. Mm. Um, yeah. You think that this is sort of in line with what sort of expected him as an academy manager teaching footballers to sort of, you know, getting defenders lots of time on the ball and that sort of stuff? Is it, is it just taking those principles and, and bringing them to this game? Um, academy football is very, very different to pro football. Um, very, very, I know that sounds like an obvious thing to say, but it is. Sure. Um, it doesn't really prepare players for first team. Um, and I guess that's the same with managers. So, um, of course, there are ideas that can be taken into it um, from there in terms of structures in possession. But generally speaking, academy football, it's so open um, a lot of the time that um, it's difficult to take stuff in completely from then um, into uh, pro football. Um, so I'm sure he had ideas in terms of how to play and how he sees his team playing. Um, but there's a major, major differences in terms of application with academy and pro football. Just also seen another really key tactical moment, which is that Danny Ings goes off with yes. a hamstring injury, and that really uh, undermined Southampton's threat in behind, as you would expect. But I think Hazelhill did see that Spurs were starting to pin Southampton back, so he wanted to fill up the midfield more. Okay. So it's not that that change alone is what saved Spurs. I think that you saw it coming before then. Okay. Um, but it did help Spurs be more aggressive, obviously, because now there's one less threat up front, so they can push even higher. But again, look at the back three now to build up. Yep, high fullbacks. Higher fullbacks. And it doesn't matter who the. It doesn't matter who's in those positions. It can be the Man City model, where it's the wingers that stay wider and the fullbacks tuck in. It doesn't matter as long as you have enough players in the correct positions in the area of the pitch that allows you to sort of build possession, move the ball. If that's what you're looking for, um, and it's with. So this is a lovely goal. Lovely goal. Really well taken, isn't it? We can watch this again. Yeah. I think we'll catch the replay. It's yeah. um. Yeah, it's however many the opposition are pressing with and one more and then everyone else ahead of the ball, yeah? Yep. Simple stuff. So that probably would have just been the instruction just to certain players to be more aggressive in their possession. In their, probably looking for more off-the-ball movement from certain players. So I saw a lot more off-the-ball movement from Lacelso in the second half. Okay. Um, there was times when he looked to run ahead of the ball and in behind. So you just saw there he made a nice dart into the space which opened up that lane, passing lane into Sun. Um, I was thinking, yeah, that it was probably simple tactics. Sorry, probably a simple team talk. Be more aggressive with your positioning, um, and that allow that gives you a base to build from. See if we can get Lacelso's run a little further back. That was him off. That was him there, just running into that space. So you see, he's coming short there. Now he turns and goes into that space. He's so not we... going to receive it. Plays a run ahead of the ball is so important. Didn't really affect too much of the game actually because Ward Prowse was kind of stagnant anyway, but. It did draw some players out. Yeah, it moved um, the, uh, the centre-half, didn't it? So moved the centre-half. So important to have players that make those kind of runs. So important. So Ward-Prowse is moving out here, as you say. But what we do have is um, sort of a two versus two in the box with the centre-backs. Yep, yep. Uh, we'll move on. So Ward-Prowse is going to press up here towards uh, Dombley on the ball. He also recognises the yep. space. He's going to yep. make his run. And then you can see immediately that's going to draw the Southampton player who was with Lucas. And then Sun's also yep. getting towards him over into that space too. So that frees up Lucas and Sun. And now you've got this 2v1 little yep. triangle here in the middle in front of goal. 
don't score immediately off it, but Bale is there at the far post to pick up the Yeah, the, mo- the movement arguably makes the goal. It gives the space to, for that to happen. That move, put it this way, that movement from the south side doesn't happen, then there's no goal. Or there'll have to be a goal in another way. They'll have to score in another way. I mean, the shot itself is still incredible for Bale to get this little the back oh, yeah, end yeah, yeah, placement. Yeah. That's is obviously... absolutely, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. Bale throughout the game, even the, the bits I saw in the first half, his quality was just undeniable. Um, you never lose that. It's, he's a sign, it's a sign of the elite players that when, when they get older and they lose like athleticism and things like that, that they can adapt their game. And yeah, his quality is just incredible still. You see him there tracking back. So they just worked more collectively. They were more aggressive in everything. Nice combinations there. Yep. <laughs> Slight pull from Bale gets away yeah. with that one. Good use of the width there as well, going all the way yeah. wide to Bale to open up the... Because we were, we were under threat of being sort of squashed in by Southampton there for a second, I think, in that play. And then slow when the time is right. Yeah, Still, we're back to having get back into position. Back to having it. happen now and again. It happen now and again. You know, they were the they were tracking back, and that's why you'll probably see the ball move more sure. slowly here because they're giving players time to get into those areas. And we've also just equalised, so it's about sort of calming the game yeah. down a little bit and yeah, good ball carrying from the Celso. Yeah, and now you've got players all around the pitch, more and more pockets. They can work with each other. So you've got like four or five players there that was over towards the left hand side of the pitch, so they can all combine with each other. And again, nearly bail at the far post once more. Yep. Old delivery on the corner, never mind. <laughs> so that's that's a like for like sub or or nearly a like for like yeah. sub from Southampton. Were you expecting a, a formation change of some type? Um it's hard to say because I watched the second half when I knew what had happened. Sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um you'd expect when you bring on someone like Ginepa, you're expecting that to push Spurs further back because of his threat one v one. Um so expecting that Spurs to be more precautious um, because of what you can do in transition and exposing the other sides, um, exposing the opposition. Um, but Spurs are maintaining their aggressive positioning. Um, Reguilón very high up. Oye looking to join in. Lo should have moved it. Probably not sharp enough. Um, but yeah, look, we've still got the three back. So it is a risk. Look how many players are ahead of the ball now. So you've still got players behind the ball. I guess the, the golden rule, what a lot of people say, is that you want at least five players behind the ball um, for a few reasons. To cover the counter-attack. Um, and to still start again and build from. Um, but obviously, you've got quite a few players further up the pitch there, 3v2, but Hoiberg does brilliantly to slam down. A little tug, yeah, really smart. And yeah, that Spurs gives regular so time, time to get back in, and then Dyer kind of forced him into that kind of long cross, and Spurs are back in shape now. So they, they got back in position really, really well, but not enough pressure here. They need to squeeze up all higher up. They need to try and get up. Lascelles needs to get up here. Um, you, Bale needs to get up here. Yeah, definitely you fatigued. Know, if you, so if you... If you if you do this versus Man City at the weekend, they will kill you. If you allow them to have that that kind of possession in the final third with that much space, they will kill you. So you've got to have pressure on the ball in those areas. Um, pressure doesn't mean high press. It could be a low press, but there has to be pressure on the ball um, at some stage. And there wasn't any pressure on the ball there. So they've got to make sure they get the balance right. And now it's time for subs, I guess. Yep. There you go. Here comes Winks. So uh, something that we've been talking about in the podcast for a, a bit is is Winks' ability to enable defensive possession. Yeah. Which might maybe that's, that's the one thing the Winks has. Yeah. yeah sorry, that's more than one thing, but it's that <laughs> ability to pass and move and receive at angles and just keep the momentum of possession going or the rhythm of possession going. Is that a slightly questionable decision to bring him on at one all? Do you think? <sighs> uh, well, it worked. So <laughs> I think that possession wasn't too much of an issue. Um, I felt that it was coming anyway. It just looked like the goal was coming. It looked like the chances were going to come. Okay. Um, and I don't think the Winks and Dombley changed change the approach too much, to be fair. But you probably had Winks, who's a bit sharper in showing for the ball, which meant build-up was a little bit easier. 
in terms of staggered staggered possession. This is this is good. This is being aggressive here. So, okay, staggered possession, but it's giving time for Reguilon to move up the pitch, and then when they're up the pitch, now now we can now we can move and play. This so it's a, a nice great move. goal. Yeah, uh, a reasonable call. Do you think that the unfortunately, Lucas is yeah, I mean, you know my you, you know my bins on VAR, um, but um, yeah, he's he, he's he's in the eye line of the goalkeeper. Um, of course, he's affecting the play. I think that's fair. Doesn't mean he would have ever saved it, but you know you can't use that against him. Something to be said about uh, Spurs losing this goal and and carrying on as before. You know, not losing the 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 drive and the desire and the mentality there, and giving up and feeling bad for themselves. I think they. I think when Spurs weren't winning, they, even under Jose, the desire to win the game would have been there still. But it was the reaction to to going ahead that was the major issue, and that's the biggest difference I think that we saw. I know there was no time left, but. Spurs went ahead and they didn't camp. Now, it's different to say what they would have done had sure. it been minute 70 when they went ahead. But they were still trying to get the win. And I think when you know when they were trying to get the win under the Jose, they would still sure. go to attack. It was the issue when they went ahead, not having a possession structure to fall back on, not being defensively compact and organised um, for whatever reason. So hopefully we will have some some more information on that in the coming weeks about how, how we behave. On yeah, it'll be so. interesting. It'll be interesting. I think I think the message will still be the same. I think the instruction will be the same. I think even if you uh, go one nil, um, one nil up with if you one nil up with twenty minutes to go, I think that the instruction will still be to to be aggressive, and I think that's what we'll see um, because that's the environment that Mason will set in training and in team talks and and so on. It's a very aggressive man to man here. Winks covers well. So what I quite like is that when Spurs players weren't further forwards in the second half, yeah. they did do staggered possession really well. So when it wasn't ideal shape, they did give their players time to move up the pitch. So they gave Reguilon, they were able to keep the ball in these areas, allowing Reguilon time to get up the pitch, allowing possession to get up the pitch. Um, and then when it's on those areas, then it's kind of up to you how you do it. It's the freedom, it's the the movement, the rotations, the the quick interchange. Um, so Hoybier is able to get the ball forward now. They were just more options further forward, I think. They were just more aggressive in their positioning. And I think I think what you're talking about there about, about waiting for players to find their positioning speaks to what we were talking about earlier in terms of not trying to force mm. the attack too much or too often. No, I think Bergwijn will have a big part to play in Mason's system. Really glad to see him back involved because I think he's a really special player. Well, he's, he's, well, he's someone that when you are, he's very good on the ball in terms of retaining possession. Yeah. Um, he's very good at that. Um, so when you do want to have more of a... a um, Direct? Players that can think. Okay. Um, more, more of a possession-based system. Then okay. you know you need players like that that can hold on to the ball, know how to pass and move, picks up in good positions, uh, and are good retaining the ball. I was surprised he, he he wasn't used more often towards the end of Jose's tenure because when Jose, you know, the system is you know a lot based on decision making, yeah, and individuality. You need players that can do that, and Bergwijn is very very good at that. Um, but I think obviously that he's just had no confidence in the final third. Yeah, which kind yeah. of killed him um, any it. chances of playing. So I like that there. So if you go back to that, so it's kind of the point we were speaking earlier. So if you roll it from here, done like that, but never mind. So good turn from Winks. So there we go. So if we stop right there, so it's Sun that's providing the width this time. Doesn't matter because we still have the width across the pitch. So it doesn't matter who it is that provides the width. Like we said, it's the Man City use their wingers to do it and the fullbacks tuck in. It could be Sun out wide. It could be Reguilon that's tucked in. It could be Reguilon out wide, Sun tucked in. As long as there's balance across the width of the pitch and in positions and there's enough players ahead of the ball and behind the ball, it doesn't matter what players, what those players are, who those players are. 
So is that Regulon there? It's hard to see. My, my, the, the, it's yes. a bit fuzzy. Is that Regulon moving into field? So here into is Regulon. Is that Regulon? Yeah. So there you go. So it doesn't matter that it's not Regulon out there. Sun's out there. Okay, so Regulon's can tuck in field. It's still aggressive positioning from Regulon. He's still supporting the attack. Um, it's great to see. And here we have the penalty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten. <laughs> it was from that corner, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you know who scored the penalty uh, ahead of watching the game? Yes, 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 yes. Because okay. I wasn't yeah, sure who was the... going to take it. I, 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 right. I had flashbacks to um, Lamella taking a penalty off Sun against City back in 2018 or something, yeah. and that kind of stuff. I contested. don't usually like Sun's penalty technique. I think he gets two on top of the ball, okay. um, which makes it quite obvious where he's going to go at times, and it's harder to generate the the power you need when you get two on top of it. Um, that was his issue. I remember the penalty versus Aston Villa last year. He got two on top of the ball, so it was obvious where he was going to go. Let's see. But he scored, so any penalty that goes in is a good penalty. <laughs> well, I thought it was pretty well taken, and, and we'll have a look at the yeah, technique. Yeah. Terrible mask wearing from Harry, but never mind. <laughs> at least he knows how to take a penalty, eh? I was definitely nervous watching this. I was definitely worried. I was desperate was gonna... for Ryan Mason. For Ryan Mason, I was desperate. Mm. I, I, I love Ryan Mason. Um, so, uh, when you say on top of the ball, what do you mean by that? So... It's difficult mm. to say that it's very. It's almost like you're trying to squeeze a ball out from under you, which means that it's very difficult to then. It can be quite predictable. So keepers guess he's gone the wrong way. Fine, but the, probably the best example to speak about is the one he the, the penalty he had versus Villa last year. So you see, keepers already made that move, so there's never really an issue. If the keeper if the keeper um, holds his nerve and stays a little bit longer, there's probably a better chance of him saving it because it doesn't quite go into the corner. And his son's trying to squeeze it out from him. So it's harder to get that kind of whip and that direction, that power and that pace and that disguise onto it because you're squeezing the ball out from you. Um, and that was his issue with the penalty versus Villa last year. But like we said, it went in. So, so there you go. So we can see here just before he strikes the ball that his his standing foot, his toes are, are it's hard to see perhaps, um, but his toes are just sort of sneaking out ahead of the ball. Do you think that makes mm. it sort of, that closes off the left side of the goal to him? Uh, no, not necessarily, because it's hard to see the angle. Okay. You want to plant your foot next to the ball, so obviously you're standing foot next to the ball, so your toe will probably inevitably inch a little bit ahead of it. Um, but yeah, if it is too closed off, it can be hard to squeeze it. Or if you do squeeze it into that corner, it can be obvious that's where you're going. Okay. So if Sun decided to go into that corner where McCarthy dove, he probably would have saved it because it's, hard, it's obvious where he's going um, with that technique, but he just sent it out the other way. He just managed to squeeze it out. But you can see, because he's... Because he's quite closed off, it's harder to open up your hips. So it's harder to generate the curl and whip. So that's why you see it didn't quite go into the far corner because he's really trying to squeeze it out from a quite a closed off body. Um, so if he goes the right way, McCarthy, he probably saves it. But I guess someone was relying on him going the other way. So see, he's quite closed off, isn't he? So it's harder to open your hips up and to generate that whip and curl into the far corner. But I do feel, con considering he's used the sort of inside of foot technique there, and he's used sort of towards mm. the back end of it, he's still getting quite uh, quite a hit on it. Yeah, he connected with the ball well, but it's a decent height. It's not in the corner, so if the keeper goes the right way, he's going to save it probably. Okay. But I always said, you know, he, you know, son's an exceptional footballer. You know, he, uh, he he probably sent in that way in the first place. So it doesn't matter if you go in the corner. It doesn't matter. You can go in the middle of the goal as long as you send the keeper the wrong way. As Harry has shown us multiple times before. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's definitely not as, as far wide as I as I thought it was watching that again. Yeah. Here's the call again. So there you go. We can let the last few minutes play. Um, impressed then with Ryan Mason? Really impressed. Really liked the second half. Really liked what I saw. Um, yeah, first half wasn't great, obviously. It just looked like someone that hadn't been there in time. 
maybe hadn't had the experience of being a first team manager, so I didn't quite know what to say in those situations. Whereas I remember years ago when Klopp first joined Liverpool and we were his first game, and um, yeah. but he'd already had experience, lots of experience being a top level manager. So he probably knew the certain things to say and to work on with the time he had. And I remember versus Spurs in the first game, they were pressing us like animals. Yeah, uh, Mason hasn't had that experience yet as a manager. So he doesn't quite know yet what you can get into them at a short amount of time or, or things like that. It's just he, he's learning. Um, but what I like is that we saw the issues in the first half and we've got to give Mason credit. They fixed them in the second half. They were more aggressive in their positioning, which allowed um, the kind of possession structures that he was probably looking for and allowed Spurs to attack more in a more aggressive fashion and in a more sustained fashion. Do you think that um, both Mason and a significant portion of the squad having played before under Pochettino was an aid in that? Potentially, potentially. Um, footballers are footballers. So, you know, the, of course it takes time it to work on. Yeah, it takes time to work on certain things. But at the end of the day, you know, footballers, they, they do kind of know what to do. Uh, obviously, they, they it does take time to work on different things. But, you know, if you're at half time telling Reguilón to be more aggressive in his positioning, well, he knows what to do, and he'll know when to he'll know when to drop in. Still, it's not like he's like a learning football for the first time. So you can get basic ideas across quite early on, and you know things you want to see. But obviously, it takes time to work on other aspects. Um, but you know, we saw enough there to to be encouraged. Obviously. All right, awesome. Well, obviously, City is a big ask, um, and we're, we're going yeah. into that with with pretty low expectations. But I think, yeah, but some positivity and a positive mentality and, and some joy, um, and and I think that when expectations are that low, that can be a, a real that can be <laughs> um, something really helpful because it's just you know you're just going to go out there and you're just going to try and, and and see if things come your way, and, and that that pressure is kind of off. Whereas the pressure is definitely yeah. on City. They they kind of need uh, they need that a little bit, don't they? So there you go. I mean, as I said, the Spurs will be camped out in front of their own six-yard box, quite, not in, front sure. of their own, in front of their own box quite a lot in that game. And where there's not a lot of time to, a lot of time to work on certain things, it's going to be interesting to see the instruction from Mason because there was a few moments in that second half where we saw that Southampton did have a bit of space, too much space around the edge of the box. And like we said, if that's City, and if that's Manchester City, they'll have more of those situations. Now, if you give Man City too many of those situations, they will punish you. So it's going to be interesting to see how Spurs approach this game. Um, if they do look to be aggressive and on the front foot, um, it's a massive ask. It is a massive ask. Obviously, I'm not expecting Spurs to win. But listen, it's football. It's a cup final. Anything can happen. Um, as we said, we need to give players more credit than they deserve. I think a lot of people nowadays sort of presume players to be kind of like robots that need to be told where to be and what to do all the time. And they, they don't. You know, players know football. Premier League players know football. Um but it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And uh, it'll be amazing for Ryan Mason. It would be that weird romance thing, wouldn't it, where Ryan Mason was probably the beacon, the first beacon of what Pochettino Spurs was to become. He was the first one, yeah. even before Harry Kane, to get into the team. Um, so it would have this weird romance to it if he would be the one to, to win the trophy that Pochettino never quite did. Mm. Uh, so, you know, football, has that, football can throw up those weird stories now and again, um, which is great. Um, despite what the Super League and the money people try to do to it, you'll always have that in football. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. It's a big ask. Um, as I said, I'm not confident in the sense of winning the game, um, but I wasn't beforehand anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, no, fair so, enough. Me neither. So we'll see. We'll see. And then an interesting run of games after that. 
Uh, all right. Well, I wouldn't be well. I wouldn't be surprised if they get in the top four now because I don't put it this way. If Spurs won the rest of their games. Big That's ask. If Spurs won the rest of their games, they would get the top four because the other teams aren't that good and they're so inconsistent. Uh, you know, Chelsea have done well, but they're not that good. Um, Liverpool have had a nightmare year. West Ham have done very well, but they're not that good. So if Spurs won the rest of their games, I'm very sure they'd get top four. Um, but that's a huge if. That's a huge if. Well, for me, um, it's a reason to be excited about watching Tottenham again. So I'm, I'm very, very happy, Good. even if we, even I'm if glad. we fall short. Uh, yeah, listen, Harry... you know I was a big Jose fan, yes. but I, I love Ryan Mason, so I'm desperate for him to do well. Um, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure as always. Thank you very, no, very much. Thank you, top man. Cheers, mate. Peace. You've been listening to the Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud E Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help.